Romans. We'll be in Romans chapter 5 this morning. We've been in Romans in Sunday school, and I'll tell you what, it's been a blessing. Uh, it's, it's not an easy book to go through. It's not one of those ones you can just read, uh, skim across, and everything makes sense. It's one you got to dig in. But uh, I'll tell you one thing that I found with God's Word. Anytime you dig in, you find blessings. Amen. Anytime. Now, now, it's, uh, now some will tell you that it takes uh, a certain level of education or a certain thing like that to figure out God's Word. I don't believe that. Uh, I was saved as a child. Many others uh, were saved as children. We didn't, uh, you didn't go to college at nine years old. Uh, most of us didn't. Uh, uh, so, I mean, it doesn't take any of that. What it takes uh, is a lot of times just seeking God and, uh, and asking His uh, Holy Spirit to help you, and He will teach us and He will help us. And I'm thankful for that. Aren't you? I'm glad. Uh, I, it, this, this Bible is not of any private interpretation. That means you don't have to come to me uh, to get the truth. You can get in it and get the truth yourself. And if you've been here very long, I hope you've heard from me that I want you to be in your Bible too. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't want to lead anybody astray. I want us to all learn together, grow together. Uh, and uh, every once in a while, I say something wrong. And, uh, uh, you know, there are times that uh, uh, I hope you would catch that. If I said something wrong, now don't stop me right in the middle. You know, maybe wait till after and we can talk about it. But uh, in those times where people have questioned me uh, in, in a good intent, good hearted, uh, I like it because then we can take that back and we can both dig deeper and then we can learn a little more about God, right? And if I'm wrong, I'll tell you. Next service, I'll come in here and tell you I was wrong. I've had to do that a couple times. But aren't you glad for God's word? Aren't you glad that it is, I tell you what, it is amazing. Uh, we were in Romans 8 uh, in Sunday school. The first half of Romans 8, I'll tell you what, if you've never dug into Romans chapter 8 and you're a Christian person, it is a blessing. Amen. It is a treasure. So if you're not coming to Sunday school, I would come next Sunday morning just to get the second half of Romans chapter 8. It'll be a blessing. But anyway, uh, we're in Romans chapter 5, and God is good. Uh, and it uh, yesterday was Veterans Day, and I'll tell you one thing, I am so thankful for everyone that has served this country. Amen. We've got, uh, we've got a handful uh, that are here that have served, uh, but you know, a lot of them have gone home to be with the Lord. We've had a lot that have served over the years that have gone to this church family members that have served so that we can come in here today and we can freely worship. Amen. What we are doing here today is not the norm in every country. In right. fact, in a lot of places, you couldn't have this legally. Right. Amen? I'm glad we can have it. Yeah. It gives us an extra responsibility, though. We can have it. We need to open it. Amen? Romans 5, verse 6, uh, For when uh, we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we, are, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the wonderful testimonies, the songs, the blessings we've already felt. Lord, the children, Lord, we're thankful for all of it. Lord, you have blessed us beyond measure. And Lord, now as we open up your word, Lord, I pray uh, that it would come true and alive in our eyes and ears. And Lord, that uh, uh, Lord, we would just uh, push away the excuses and distractions and Lord, and dig in today. And Lord, I pray that your word would do the work that you promised it would. 
And Lord, if any are lost, that they would come to know you before it's too late. Lord, help us today. And in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Amen. So this passage starts out. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And this has one of the key parts of the gospel. You know, we call the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. When we are sharing it with somebody, one of the key pieces is at the end of this verse right here. Christ died for the ungodly. Amen. And this is not the only place that the Bible mentions it. This isn't just one verse that I'm pulling this out of. You can go back to before Jesus came to this earth and the angel visited Joseph uh, uh, to tell him what was going on with Mary and what was to come into their family. And the angel said in Matthew 121, and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. So right from the beginning, it is clear. And then later on, fast forward, uh, Jesus is born. Uh, uh, and, and we celebrate that around Christmas time. Uh, he grows up, the Bible says, in grace and in knowledge. And then uh, he gets to the point where he starts his earthly ministry. And one of the first things that he does is he goes down to the river uh, where John the Baptist is. And John had been talking about him. John was the forerunner uh, and he was the one preaching repentance uh, because repentance does come before salvation and there he sees Jesus coming along the way and John says in John 1 29 behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world amen uh, so what we see uh, is uh, uh, we see this again over and over again uh, and then we get to the deeper into the New Testament first Timothy 115 this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and Paul ended it by saying of whom I am chief so you see what it's saying right there? Number one, he died for the ungodly. He came to save sinners uh, and uh, to take away the sins of the world. Uh, and it's over and over again. It is clear. Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. That's who he died for. And this is also, it's a key part of the gospel. But I believe it's one of the biggest hurdles when we tell somebody about Jesus Christ is this piece right here. Why? Because they look at themselves and say, now wait a second, Jesus died for sinners, he died for the ungodly, he died for the unrighteous, that's not me, right? Isn't that the objection we get over and over again? Well, that's not me, I'm not ungodly, right? I'm not going against him, I didn't murder somebody, I'm a pretty good person, I help people out, I give in the offering plate. Right? Isn't this what we hear? Isn't this what we see over and over again? So you think about this hurdle. Jesus died for sinners. That's what the Bible says over and over again. He paid the price for sin by dying on the cross. And he did that because the wages of sin is death. Then death only, then Jesus' death really only matters if you're a sinner. If you're an ungodly person, right? If he died for sinners, if he died for the ungodly... Jesus' death does nothing for a good person. Amen? Does nothing for someone who will not admit they're a sinner. So that's what you have to ask yourself. The question, am I a sinner? 
in the eyes of God? Am I ungodly? Am I a sinner? Well, before you think too hard on that question, look down in verse 12 in our passage. Wherefore, as by one man sinned in entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So it's describing Adam in the Garden of Eden. He was the first to commit sin against God, and we could blame Adam for all of our troubles. We could blame him, except for the last part of that verse, right? It says, uh, yes, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. Why? For that all have sinned. And that's how I'm not going to run through all the verses. You've heard them probably multiple times, but over and over again, the Bible's clear. All have sinned. There's none righteous. We're all, our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. And over and over again, you may look at yourself as a pretty good person. I may look at myself as a good person, but we do not measure up to God's standard. Yeah, right. I'm not judging you after this life, Right. And I hope I'm not judging you in this life, you know, the wrongly, but that, that's not our job. But he will judge you, not by your standard, but by his. <clears throat> so here's death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. But here's the problem. During the day that Jesus was preaching and teaching, there were groups of people, religious people. Uh, they didn't think that they were sinners, right? They thought we're following. A, I mean, they followed some of the Old Testament, what was convenient, the, the law that they could keep. And then they added a bunch of other things. But they, uh, they did that stuff and they thought, well, we're pretty good. We're Jews. We follow parts of the Old Testament. You know, we're, we're, we're pretty good. And then the problem is they'd come against Jesus and then they'd almost feel like, well, man, when I listen to Jesus, I don't feel like I'm right. Has that ever happened to you when you come into church? Man, I hear that preaching and man, I, I thought I was a good person until I hear what the Bible says. Yeah. The problem with the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and these other ones that went against Jesus over and over again is they were fighting against him and they wouldn't believe what he said. When he said they were sinners and said they needed to re repent, they said, no, you're wrong. You're the liar. You're the problem, Jesus, not me. And over and over again, they butted heads. And Jesus rebuked them, but I'll give you one time. Here's what he said, Mark 2, 17. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know what he's saying right there? If you think everything's all right with you, so maybe you've got something wrong in your body, and you're just trying to excuse it away, and well, maybe in a week or two it'll go away on its own. Now, we'd never do that, now, do we? Right? We all love going to the doctor. We're quick to call. We're quick to get everything taken care of. We wouldn't, we wouldn't let a pain get so bad that we can't even stand it now, would we? But this is the metaphor he's giving, right? They that are a whole, they that are okay, they that, uh, that think they're okay, uh, the doctor's not going to be a help somebody who thinks they're fine. Right. But the one that says, hey, I got something wrong, the doctor can help that. 
And that's what Jesus is saying. I, I've come to you uh, and I've told you the truth, but you're not willing to believe it. You're not willing to accept it. You're not willing to uh, take what I've got today. And now we can fast forward to today. Jesus is saying the same thing. Hey, uh, I died for you, right? I died for the ungodly. I died for the sins of the world. But if you won't admit you're a sinner, no, I can't help you. There's nothing I can do to help you. You think you're all right in and of yourself. But that's what he's saying. You can only, if you admit you're a sinner, then there's help in Jesus Christ. There's salvation. And being a sinner is a spiritual death sentence. But there's no help if you won't admit it. So again, I ask the same question. Are you a sinner? Are you ungodly? The Bible says you are, but what do you think? What will you, will you agree with what the Bible says? Then look at verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Right? So the Bible we've already said says that you're a sinner. The wages of sin is death. Then you need someone to die in your place. Amen? Now here's what this verse is saying right here. With scarcely and peradventure maybe someone would die for somebody else. Let me, let me make it personal today. If someone had to die for you, who would it be? Who would do that? Right? No, I'm being serious. If, if for you to get to heaven today, someone around you had to die in your place, who would do it? Who would do it? See, some of us think, well, I, I'm a pretty good person, right? Somebody, who? When we really dig down, that's what this verse is saying, scarcely. It might happen. You might have a relative, maybe somebody that's older that loves you dearly, that their life is, uh, you know, they've lived their life, and maybe they will die for you. Maybe. Peradventure. If you're good enough, right? If you're worthy enough, maybe that would happen. But remember, we're not good enough. Right. We're not righteous. Amen. We're not holy. We're none of that. That's, what he's, that's the comparison right here. Uh, you are seeing yourself as a pretty good person. And maybe you'll find somebody, to, maybe you could. But what about God's standard? Romans chapter 3, if you go a few chapters back, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. He's saying it again. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, uh, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Uh, and the way of peace have they not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. And you look at that passage and it's saying uh, very clearly multiple times, it's saying, hey, when God has looked across humanity, everyone that's ever lived and everyone that will ever live, he is confident in saying, hey, when it comes to my word, my standard, there's none good, not even one. That's what he's saying right here. And then you look at the results. What does he say? Because of that, their tongues are used as deceitfulness, right? To spread that and cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace have they not known. 
Aren't we seeing the results of this? See, you may not, uh, maybe you don't fully believe that everyone in this world, maybe you don't believe when the Bible says that there's none righteous, but we can see the evidence. Amen. We can look out here. We can hear the things that people say. We can see what they do. We get the atrocities that are committed day in and day out. And yet the world is saying to us, they're trying to convince us that they're becoming, uh, there's greater wisdom and greater knowledge. We're evolving, right? That's what they're saying as a species. But look at what knowledge has done. We have more, you don't have to go back very far. And the amount of knowledge you could get in your lifetime, you may, you'd have to run to the library, you'd have to read, get certain books, you'd have to do things like that. The amount of knowledge that we have at our fingertips in an instant is unlike any other time. Yet with all of this knowledge available, I'll just be honest, people are getting dumber. Amen? This world is getting, is it getting safer out here? No. Is it getting more fair? No. They're passing every law to try to make things more fair. It's not getting more fair. It's not getting more safe. It's not getting more just. What's going, what's happening? More feet are swift to shed blood. More destruction. And look at that verse 17. And the way of peace have they not known. There's no peace of mind. That's going away quickly. Why? It all sums it up in that verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. If you don't believe that you'll ever stand before God one day in judgment, if you don't believe that, then you won't care how you live. And that's the problem. That's the problem with our world today. They don't believe it. We could tell them that all will stand before the Lord one day and they'll say, well, I don't, you get that out of your book of fairy tales? That's what they'll tell us. Oh, the Bible says that. I don't believe any of it. And there's no fear of God. And this world is a mess. And what do they do? They turn around and blame God for it. Right? They blame the Christian. It's our fault. No, it's the fact that you just have no fear of God. You can't live in order to be righteous in God's eyes. James 2.10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offended one point, he is guilty of all. You'd have to perfectly follow the Bible your entire life. Perfect speech, perfect thoughts, perfect obedience, perfectly not doing the things you should, restraining. That's why it can say the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. What has sin done to this world? It's wrecked it. Amen? Murder, war, pain, death. Because we would, men would rather do their own will instead of going what God says. The world is in rebellion and won't admit it. They mock God today. They laugh at God. But like I said, one day they'll stand before God. But once you realize that you're not a good person in the eyes of God, but you're just an unrighteous sinner. And see, again, if you looked at the verse before, what was he saying? Maybe for a a righteous or a good person, someone might die for you. But if you're not a good person, we just realize nobody would. I'm too old. 
I've done too much wrong. I've killed. I've, I've got issues. I'm not worth dying for. Right? You could get to that point and realize that's what the passage is trying to get to. But once you get to that and realize where you're really at, then verse 8 of Romans 5, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to worry about if you're good enough to have somebody die for you. Once you realize you're a sinner, what do we get back to at the beginning? Christ died for the ungodly. He died for sinners. Isn't that the most powerful two words in the Bible? But God, right? This situation was going on. It looked hopeless and helpless, but God stepped in. Amen. Amen. He stepped in. Nobody else would die for you, but Jesus already did. He already died for you. Hopeless, helpless. On spiritual death row, that's who Jesus died for. Once you realize you weren't worth dying for, but he died for you, that's when you see the love of God. But God commended his love toward us. The cross was brutal, bloody, painful. And if he did that because we were great people, it wouldn't be love. But he did it for the ungodly, the sinners. The unworthy. That's love. That's mercy. That's grace. And then you wonder, what more does God have to do to convince you and I that he loves us? What more does he have to do than to die in our place when we weren't worthy to be to die for? How else can he show you that he loves you? There's no greater love than what Jesus did for us. Because he proved it by who he died for. Sinners and rebels. Finally verse 9. Much more then. Being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath. Through him. Jesus Christ when he was on the cross. He was not spared any wrath. Right? Six hours on the cross. In agony. Cries out in the second three hours and when it was in darkness, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Not because it was a good time, not because it was easy, because the wrath of sin was being poured out on him and he didn't deserve it. He was sinless. He was innocent, but he took our sins to the cross. And it should have been us that should have cried out to God. Right? It should be us that was on the cross. We're the ones that deserved it. We should have been the one crying out, My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? But the most wonderful thing about that statement is Jesus said that so that way we will never have to say that. We'll never be forsaken by God. Men mock God. They take pleasure in sinning against him. And I think some people believe that when you start to talk about judgment, they say, now, wait a second. If I'm going against God, then wouldn't he just strike me down? You know, send a bolt of lightning, you know, uh, have me keel over my heart to stop the instant. They're saying he must not because he allows sin, right? Because he allows these problems. He, he, he either isn't in control or he doesn't care or anything else. That's what people, the lies that people spread about him. But no, judgment will come. Men will be held accountable for their sins. 2 Peter 3, 7. But the heavens and the earth 
which are now by the same word kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition, or that means sin, of ungodly men. Just because we're not seeing instant judgment right now doesn't mean that judgment will never come. It says the world is reserved by fire under the day of judgment. And there are a wreck. He is keeping records of everything. And I'll tell you what, if you've got to stand before him with that record, you're in trouble. But aren't you glad he died for your sins? And when it says being now justified by his blood, that word justification, it's a bigger word. And I'm not a big fan of the bigger words, but I'll make it as simple as I can. What he does is you come to Jesus Christ, you trust in him for salvation. He takes that sin record that he has of your life and by his blood that he shed on the cross, he wipes the slate clean so that the record of all your sins is now gone. And he puts it in place, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because we couldn't have do either of it. We couldn't live We couldn't live a sinless life because we're sinners. And we couldn't perfectly follow everything the Lord's called us to do. But Jesus did. And by his blood, his death, he can change the record of our sin. That's what he did for me at nine years old. In a house down the road in Ashley. Amen. I realized I was a sinner. And I knew that Jesus died for sinners. I didn't know everything I know today, but I didn't need to know all that. I just knew enough that I needed Jesus Christ, and I prayed to him and asked him to save my soul. Now, I have not lived perfectly far from it, and I don't need to live perfectly because he died for my sins. But aren't you glad you call on Jesus, you begin a relationship with him? And you draw closer to him and he helps you and he gives you what this world doesn't have. Peace of mind, right? We can call on his name at any hour. We don't have to wake somebody up. We can call on Jesus' name. He can comfort us. He can help us. And that's what I've seen in my life. 31 years now, he's been a blessing to me. All because I called on his name. He wiped the slate clean. He saved me knowing how many times I would fail him afterward. He loves me today and he loves you. This world is reserved by fire. And everybody will stand before Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to stand before him as already knowing him. Already being saved by him. Already trusting in him. Because without Jesus, if you reject his free gift of salvation on the cross, there is no hope when you leave this life. As I close, if you believe that you're a sinner, right, that's a hurdle. Like I said, many people don't believe that. Mike, I'm a good person. And they start rattling things off. Maybe by your judgment, by your standard, by the popular world standard, maybe you are a good person. But we're talking about God. You're not going to stand before the world. You're going to stand before Jesus. If you believe that you're a sinner, good. Many don't. If you believe that Jesus died for the ungodly, died for sinners and rose on the third day, even better. But the Bible says even the devils believe and tremble that he's God. You know what the last step is? To call on his name. 
It's not some fancy ritual. It's not some 12-step program. It's not something where we have to travel to a place halfway across the world and walk around the rock a whole bunch of times. You call on God who yeah. wants to hear from you. Amen. And you admit to him what he already knows. Yeah. And you say, I'm trusting in you to save my soul. When I don't believe I'm worth saving, right? When I've done too much, when I've gone too far, Jesus says, I died for all of that. Don't let the devil try to talk you out of it. You're saying he's telling you you're not worthy. That's right, you're not worthy. That's why it's mercy. It's undeserved. He's telling you to wait till a better time. No, don't you wait. Jesus said now is the time of salvation. When he's working with you now. He's dealing with you now. He's talking with you now. I'll close with Romans 10.9 That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved. Not maybe, not possibly you shall be. It's a guarantee. I'm going to ask Carrie to come get a song as we close. What's he saying? He's saying Christ died for the ungodly. I ask everyone to stand.